This is an Area Code podcast. Welcome back to Feel for the Game, the sports podcast where we talk about our feelings. I'm Nick. And I'm Noah. What's up, man? How are you doing this fine day? You know, here two two quick things. A, I'm not sleeping. I've gotten like four hours of sleep in the last 72 hours. And uh, I also have discovered that I have to replace my furnace and air conditioner in my house. So I had to drop the bag and that's never how you want to wake up realizing that your furnace isn't working in December. So that's where, I, that's where we're at in the Kirby household. How about you? Uh, I, I don't have those house issues. Thankfully, I feel a level of uh, sympathy for you for having to go through all of that, but I'm doing pretty good. My, my biggest problem right now is trying to stay awake at 10 o'clock at night to watch college basketball. To watch games. these damn basketball it's, games. Yes. It's not going well at all. Yeah. That Illinois Baylor game. And then before it, the K the day before we had KU Kentucky that both started I, in our time zone in the nine o'clock hour. And that's just outrageous. Yeah. It's pretty late. So, okay. So before we get started, I want to know, tell me two things that you've been enjoying in the sports world the obvious answer if you listen to this show you know i'm about to say it's that college basketball is back i have my, my favorite sport in the world has come back after a canceled tournament for the first time in its history i'm getting to watch college basketball players obviously i specifically mean kansas but i've watched a lot of basketball since thanksgiving and it's been absolutely wonderful. Um, the other thing that's been keeping me excited was late last night, whenever we got a Woj bomb that Russell Westbrook mm. had been traded to the wizards for John mm. wall, which that's just a straight up swap. That's just a younger version of Russell Westbrook. Yeah, for sure. But the wizards also gave up a first round pick. So they gave up a younger player and a first round pick for an older player who turns the ball over even more than John wall. I don't know. Came out that it came out that Harden preferred John Wall over Russell Westbrook. So what does that mean? It means that Russell Westbrook is the common denominator in all of his professional breakups. That being Kevin Durant, James Harden, uh, Paul George. Like he is the. We finally have the answer to the fact that it is Russell Westbrook is the problem yeah. on these teams. Yeah, and like he, you can tell like Russell, Russell Westbrook is a, he's a great basketball player, but he's not like a basketball player that you want to play with. You know, like if you were playing pickup basketball right now, I, I remember the days when that was a thing that could actually happen. You wouldn't want Russell Westbrook to be on your team. Yeah, as you, good as you, surround is. Him, be a- you surround him with the players who aren't very good. And then he, that way he can just make the games competitive on his own. Yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't be fun to, to play alongside, that's for sure. So uh, that that's cool. I like those two things. My uh, my The two things that I'm really loving right now is actually this, the first one is the same as your first one. It's college basketball. I am not, admittedly, I am not the biggest college basketball fan. I watch a couple of the sort of blue blood teams here and there every year. 
and I'll usually find one team that's like uh, maybe a mid-major or just in a, a conference that's not as stacked and, and kind of latch on to them. But I, other than that, like other than a couple games a year and, you know, knowing maybe a few of the top players, I don't follow it that much. But this year, mostly because of Noah, because of you, I don't know why I said you your name and I don't know why I said your <laughs> no, name. You, you said my name for the listeners and then you made sure that I understood <laughs> that you were talking about me, not some other Noah in your life. <laughs> Uh, but mostly because of you, I am trying my best, my darnest to watch a lot of college basketball. It's really hard because these games are, are later than I'm used to being up, but it's been fun, man. Like I've, I've gotten to watch a couple Illinois games to see AO. I can't pronounce his last name, but he's been fun. Ayo Desimo. There we go. Um, Adam didn't Morgan Park, first name, Illinois. Right? Shout out to... Morgan and that Park. team also has, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his first name, but last name is Miller, number 44 for you, by out of Peoria, which is not far from where we're currently sitting. I So far into the season, a week into the college basketball season, I am really excited to watch more Jalen Suggs. He is really good out of Gonzaga, point guard. Been really enjoying watching him play. And, uh, and Preston, who... I'm blanking on the team now, but Ohio, had a really right? good game. Yeah, this the Bobcats small college. Out of Ohio. Yep, had a really good game against U of I. Uh, I think put up over 30 points, and I just really liked his game. Like I liked the way he played. Um, so he's. Uh, I'll be excited to kind of keep an eye on him throughout the rest of the season. My second thing is just that the NBA, like the realization that the NBA is going to be back next week. Like that's <laughs> that's crazy week? to me. It's next week. The end of next week, NBA preseason games will be back. So, yeah, man, those, those are my two things. Just a lot of basketball right now. It's exciting. Yeah. And we're going to talk even more basketball today. Like, a, lo- a lot of basketball. Today, we are going to build players inspired by the, the GOAT himself, Shea Serrano. Do you have anything to say about Shea Serrano before we get started? Because we did, like, a lot of what we're going to do today was inspired by... Here's, His book, here's basketball I, and other things. Here's what I want to say about Shay Serrano. Shay, I hope you're listening. I, I'm sure you're one of our 20. Um, I love you with my whole heart. That's all I have to say. It, it ends right there. I love him with my whole heart. I'm gonna, we're going to tweet at him, and I'm going to timestamp that me saying that just to get him to listen. The feeling is, is mutual. I, I agree. I also... Love you, Shay. You've inspired me to be a better human. He's he is, is that like, too much. Not too much. No, That's it's too much. perfect. Let Shay know how you feel. Give people their flowers while they're alive. He's also kind of the inspiration behind this podcast because he's just like unashamedly who he is and is willing to talk about his beloved Spurs and how they make him feel and everything. If you don't know who Shay Serrano is, follow him on Twitter. You're gonna love him. Buy his books. He's got a basketball book called Basketball and Other Things. He's got a movie book called Movies and Other Things. And he has uh, a book on rap called The Rap Yearbook. He's also got a great PDF on The Office called Conference Room 5 Minutes and one on Scrubs called uh, Where Do You Think We Are? There's our Shea Serrano plug. I got, we got to get to listen to this now. We just spent like a minute and a half trying to get people to buy his <laughs> shit. He, he has to listen to us now. Yeah, so shout out Shea. Shea uh... Serrano, 
thanks for the inspiration for this episode's content. We're going to talk about, we're going to build players. And at the end of this, we'll kind of run through all of the different attributes and figure out, I guess. Yeah. So here, well, let's, let's clarify. We're not just building players. We are building players based off of us. So I am specifically going to be using our personalities and our own physical attributes. Yeah, to some extent, like we obviously have to embellish somewhat to get to these NBA players. But uh, so what that means is I am particularly just to set my own standard. I am particularly talking about high school Noah senior year. My last year playing organized basketball, because the way that that Noah Kirby played is much different than the way that Noah Kirby plays in 2020, where I'm just playing pickup and I I play the game I would never have played in high school. I shoot shots I would never have shot in a high school game, et cetera. So I'm talking specifically 2013, Illini Central, six-man, Noah Kirby. Yeah, and just for some context on my end, I am basing all of my comparisons off of my entire basketball career. And and just to clarify further, I picked a lot of – bigger name players in in a lot of ways but i but well i will specifically highlight parts of their careers um that may not be their their peaks necessarily so i think at the end of this like because obviously noah and i are not uh we didn't play division one college basketball we are not in the nba like at the end of the day, these comparisons should be relatively average players. Like we should be making a very average NBA player. Like if not below average. Well, cool. Let's hop, let's hop into this. Let's start. Let's start the comparisons to build a very average basketball player. All right. So should we start with so so we broke this up into two categories. We have physical attributes and personality attributes. And a lot of these are sort of either taken from Shea Serrano's basketball and other things or adapted from that in some way. So we'll just kind of start from, I, I, let's I think, start with physical attributes and just Let's just run down. through physical because people listening to the show for the most part are probably more interested in the personality slash like emotion part of it. So let's take some time going through physical attributes, but let's end on personality. First attribute is... Uh, Ability to finish in the lane or finish at the hoop. Who'd you go with for this one? You ready for this one, baby? Anderson Verizal. Okay, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to say more. Yeah, yeah. Anderson Verizal was never once going to create his own bucket. He was only going to rely on LeBron James or whomever else is on that team getting to the bucket and then dumping it off to him for the garbage layup dunk. I like it. I'm doing nothing for myself. I'm. I'm gonna set a screen on the, you know, on the left in the left corner, and then roll to the hoop as my point guard comes in from the other side, gets double teamed, and he goes, "Oh, hey, Noah went cut to the basket. I'm gonna give him the ball for the easy layup." That's like well over half my points I scored in high school are from me just being in the right place at the right time, and that is Anderson Varejao. To stick with the Cleveland Cavaliers, I also could have put down Zadrunas Olgowskis. Yeah, I mean, really, any center that's ever played for Cleveland, you could. Yeah, just exactly. So, so that's where I'm at. A very average player who was like could get points here and there, but it was not because of anything that he did. Nice. Okay, I went with a Illinois native uh, for my first one here. I went with 
Andre Iguodala for finishing in the lane. And let mm. me explain why. There's a very specific reason for uh, picking this this guy. It It's the Game 7 of the 2016 NBA Finals. He the it, It's the NBA famous blocks. block. It's the famous LeBron James block. <laughs> and here's why. I picked Andre Iguodala specifically because on that play, you can see he's kind of ducking from LeBron. Like he's almost like afraid to get fouled or like hit. Yeah. Well, because he kind of double clutches to get around J.R. Smith. And if, he, and if he just absorbs that contact and goes straight up, who knows what happens. Exactly. So here's, here's, this is why this makes sense for me. When I, we play basketball together and I, I drive to the basket a, a decent amount. But I'm mostly afraid of getting clobbered whenever I do. Nick, as soon as you explained why you had Andre Iguodala, I was like, yeah, that shit tracks. Like, you, like we played before, and I, I can think of a couple times where I blocked you and you go to the lane, and that should not happen, and it's only because you would double clutch because you're worried you're going to get hit or something. So that makes absolute sense to me. Exactly. So there we go. I'm able to go to the basket, probably will finish – you know, 25% of the time, but that other 75%, I'm worried about getting fouled. So, okay, next we got catch and shoot. I'll go first. We'll just kind of bounce back and forth. Yeah, for Uh, sure. I'm going Nick Young. Okay. Explanation, quick and simple. Nick Young, when he's hot, is going to make every catch and shoot jump shot that he gets past his way. But he's not often hot. He's hot. There's like, a thing called consistency. Yeah, he's hot like once a week, maybe, maybe if that. Or he might be hot for like three possessions, and then he's done for the rest of the game. So yeah. catch and shoot, Nick Young. When I when I'm hot, it's gonna go in. But I I'm not gonna be hot that often. Yeah. So for the next two, because we have catch and shoot, and then I'm gonna go straight into pull off, uh, pull up off the dribble. Like if I was doing current day Noah, like pick up Noah. These would be very different because I shoot a lot more threes and I've become a much better shooter since my time in high school because I didn't need to shoot in high school. So I could say people like Nick Young or whomever, you know, guys that can consistently knock down the shot. But since we're doing high school, Noah, for catch and shoot, I'm going to Yusuf Nurkic. And here's why. I looked it up this year. Maybe it was last year. One of the last few years. That man shot 25% from three on catch and shoot. If, the, if what I looked up was accurate, he shot 25% from three on catch and shoot. My senior year of high school, I took four three-pointers. I made one. And all three of them were off of catch and shoot. So literally, it's a direct one-to-one comparison right there. I And, and my senior year of high school, Yusuf Nurkic and I, same exact person. You should have looked up his attempts. He might have even had the same amount of attempts because he didn't play I mean, a lot last year. He might not be wrong. Yeah. Uh, so then we'll go right into pull up off the dribble. And again, if we were doing right now, like there are people who listen to this who have played with me and would say, no, like you actually, like you can handle the ball. Well, you're able to like, you've pulled up whatever. And you're right. I can do that now. Senior year. I couldn't do that. So pull up off the dribble and shoot. We're going with the big tank, Bill Lambeer. And for those who don't know, this was like your giant plumber trying to play basketball. Like he just, he was on the court to beat people up. And you would not give him the ball in any position where he had to dribble or shoot. And in high school, if I, if my point guard, who was an all-state point guard, or anyone else on that team gave me the ball where they expected me to create my own shot off the dribble, we would have be losing the game. Like immediately, <laughs> the game would be over because they're expecting yeah. that out of me. 
That's you. You did you you? back into the into the crates. Oh for yeah, that we, one. That's we went what, back to the eighties and nineties yeah. for that one. So ironically, the so my shooting off the dribble comparison that I picked is a player that has the same name as another guy that played with Bill Lambeer. I'm going oh, current day oh, yeah. Isaiah Thomas, but I but I specifically the bad version, like not. Not the Isaiah Thomas that you can look up on YouTube right now and see highlights from not Boston Celtics. Quarter, Boston. No, not that guy. Not that Isaiah Thomas. I'm talking Isaiah Thomas after a hip injury, mm-hmm. uh, playing for Washington, coming off the bench. Like I'm talking about that Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Ability to protect the paint. For me, I picked James Harden. Again, this is <laughs> circa... 2015 James Harden has gotten a lot better defensively um but a few years ago James Harden on defense was was like I mean it was like a ghost was that was the joke that was the meme uh, on Twitter back then was that James Harden was trying to defend someone so it was like an automatic bucket yeah so that's where I'm going for protecting the paint because I don't got no business down there <laughs> so I I'm giving myself somewhat of props here it's still like a mid name and i'm not doing anyone big here but i'm going chris Kamen. okay and here's why i went to a very small high school i'm about six two if i played at any sort of bigger high school you know like if i if i went to high school with you nick i would have been a guard yeah for sure maybe a small wing but probably a guard when you play in the smallest division of high school basketball you're i, I was big at six two like the tallest player on the team was about six, four, six, five. I was his backup at six, two. And usually I would match up pretty well to the other team because of that. It was my job to protect the paint. That's what I was put in there mainly as a defender and a rebounder and did pretty well in those roles. So did Chris Kamen. But here's the thing. Chris Kamen could protect the paint, but he also fouled the shit out of people. <laughs> and if I couldn't block your shot, you better believe you're getting an elbow in the head. I was going to attempt to block you. And if not, you were going to the line. I never had bad fouls. Well, that's not true. I had bad fouls, but I was pretty good. Like Chris came in, I would protect the paint, whether it's altering shots or just covering my man. But if you got around me and you had an easy bucket, I was taking that option away from you and you were going to earn it at the free throw line. I just want to make it clear that you've now selected three player comps that are all like actually all four of your player comps so far have been these like giant sort of like unathletic white dudes that are largely rebounders and like dump off guys in the NBA. Yep. Cause that was Noah Kirby (laughs) on the 2013 Illini central Cougars. When, when coach put me in, it was Noah where you're going to go play defense. You're going to rebound. If we give you the ball in a position to score, you better fucking make it. (laughs) And you're going to be the one taking charges and diving for loose balls and all that stuff. We don't need you to score. We just need you like production can't drop when you go in. And that doesn't mean score buckets. It just means keep the other team at bay. Yeah. Okay. And I was, and I, I was good at that job. I was good at that role. And I was also unathletic and, white so you know that's where we're at all right so the next one and we're gonna keep it yeah, going the next one is endurance so how do we Ready? how do we yeah where are you at on this now here's how i'm going uh, we're gonna go with another bulky white guy <laughs> my first kansas comp there will be more to come don't you worry the first kansas comp nick collison let me tell you why i'm going mr thunder here this list your list is insane right now 
here, Nick Collison's entire career was what I just said. You're going to go in, you're going to go as hard as you can, get rebounds, box out, get out of the way of Russell Westbrook, get out of the way of Kevin Durant, let them do their thing. And when you're in there, just contribute. We're at, we don't need you to score 10 points, but if you can get us three rebounds, a couple blocks, take a charge, and your man doesn't get around you and score, then you are succeeding and you're helping the team win. He is the ultimate role player. And with that, yeah. you have to have endurance because you are expected to go all out 100% of the time. Like if you are not going, you're getting pulled because that's why you're out there. And he made a career out of just always being, always being on. So that's where we're getting at Collison. I like that. I like that comparison. Also shout out to his just uh, endurance for being on the same team. for Being the, with the Thunder the for what, career. 17 years, I think. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Uh, I went with Raymond Felton for oh, endurance. Are you going chunky Raymond um, Felton? I bet you are. I'm, go- I'm going chunky Raymond <laughs> Felton. I'm going, this guy is going to give you three hard, good, strong possessions and then he's going to take the next seven off that's what that's that's who i am as a basketball player at this <laughs> point in my life I'm, i'll give you two couple good possessions where i'm going all out but you, you better know that the next four or five after that i'm i'm gonna need a break it's and you're gonna, gonna be, be you're gonna there. be james harden circa 2015 <laughs> you're yes. not gonna guard a damn soul i like it that's that's good let's go to the next one I think you'll like this one for vision. I went with uh, Kirk Heinrich. Oh, hell yeah. Keep the Kansas, Nick Collison, Kirk Heinrich on the same team at Kansas, back-to-back Final Fours. So I went with Kirk Heinrich. He's a, he's a good passer. Um, not not going to ever be compared to the greats like Mark Jackson, Magic Johnson, uh, John Stockton. Never going to be compared to, to those type of passers. But he's, he's a good passer. He's probably going to average six or seven assists a game. Um, not going to make any flashy p- passes, not going to necessarily pass people open, but he's going to make the right pass when it needs to be made. He'll, he'll get a few assists a game. So that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. So here we go. This is This is my first non giant bulky white dude. I'm going to go John Stockton, but four seconds too late. And what I mean by that <laughs> is I think that I have very good vision, but it was always like I'd get the ball and I'd see someone open. And then I'd be like, oh, I should pass it to them. And then they wouldn't be open anymore. <laughs> like, I, c- I, could pull, I can remember or, or pull up even some plays from me in high school that I made really fucking good passes. And then I can pull you up the next possession where I miss the wide open dude. And like, as soon as I miss them, I realize, oh, I miss them. But by that point, it's too late. So I think I had good vision. I didn't yeah. have great execution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your assist to turnover ratio is probably not too great. Uh. No, that it was fine because I've never turned the ball over. It was just like you just didn't make the pass. You're like, like oh, yeah, the pass like, was there. Like and maybe, now it, maybe now I it passed isn't. to, and I'll use their names. Like maybe I passed it to Justin Unkin in the corner, but he's kind of covered when I had Grant Bale open in the other corner next to me. You know what I mean? Like I just, maybe the game was too quick at that moment for or whatever. But I passed it one way, and then I went to turn and screen away, and I was like, oh, there's no one to screen over here because he's open. I should have passed it. This is amazing. Okay, keeping keeping tabs on on your list. You have five large white dudes and one, one short white short dude. white dude. And let's get you know what, Nick. Just for you, I'm going to give you the mid sized sedan white dude for on the ball defense. 
I'm going to go Danilo Gallinari. And here's why. Again, I was, I, I think I, I consider myself a pretty good defender when I was in high school. That's a good comp for you. I, I was a that's, pretty good defender and I would guard everyone. Like I can think of games where I would switch off the big bulky center and then I'd be guarding the point guard and be like full court pressuring him. And I felt comfortable doing either one. And that's kind of how Danilo Gallinari is. He's not the best defender, but he'll guard almost anyone on the court. And you're, you can put him anywhere. Everyone, like the rest of his team and his coach are probably going to be comfortable with it. Unless it's like, oh, Danilo Gallinari is guarding LeBron James. Well, we don't want that. We'd rather have, you know, for my, in my, for my experience, we know, oh, JoJo should be guarding that guy. Or unless they're guarding, uh, he's got guarding like Steph Curry. Well, we don't want me guarding him either. But pretty much anyone else on the court, it's okay for me to be covering him. I like it. That's a good comp for you. And speaking of Steph Curry, that was who I picked for on-ball defense. That's who you're going. All uh, right. Here's why. Again, Steph Curry, obviously a big name, one of the best basketball players in the world, but not defensively. But I will. this is why I picked him. Again, I'm going to go back to the 2016 NBA Finals. Every Everyone talks about Kyrie Irving uh, hitting the game-winning shot in that Game 7. But I just want to like make it clear that Steph Curry played damn good defense on that possession. And so the reason I picked Steph Curry is, be, is because he, he gives effort. His problem on the defensive side is not effort. He tries. But the reality of the situation is that he is a smaller guard. He's thin. He's not super bulky. And he's just most of the time playing against someone bigger than him. So yeah, for sure. He, he can try all he wants, but at the end of the day, like he's probably gonna get uh, taken advantage of, right? Like he's probably gonna get yeah beat offensively by whoever. Like was. Kyrie Irving didn't get very happy when that switch happened because Steph Curry's a bad defender, but because he knew that he can see over it was him. something he could take advantage of. Yeah, yeah. He, he's like, this is a good situation for me because I can see over this guy. I can shoot over him with no problem. Mm-hmm. He's going to be there, but I can shoot over him with no problem. So, yeah, that's my comparison. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry, not for lack of effort, just mainly a size issue. Yeah. All right. All right. Low post game. Where are you going? I, I'm a little I'm a little unsure about this one, but I, I went with Hassan Whiteside. Oh. I, and I did this because it, because it mostly feels like he doesn't have a low post game. He feels like... Uh-huh. At his best, he he feels like a a guy that you just dump the ball off to, and he gets a dunk. Um, yeah. So I picked him because, in my mind, in my memory of his game, his low post ability is pretty limited if it exists at all. And sure, that's where I'm at. I am maybe six feet on a good day. You're taller. You're you're taller than six feet. You're you and I are about the same height. Whatever. I'm. Say say six feet. <laughs> say I'm six feet one sixty. Like I'm a small dude. So there's no like I'm not doing anything in the in the low post. There's there's nothing sure. happening. I'm not going to get a bucket. I don't have post moves. It's just it's all bad news. If I'm down there. I'm I'm considering my offense and defense, and it is now time for me to say another big white man from the University of Kansas. I'm going to Scott Pollard, and here's why. Here's why. Did he have some post moves? Yeah, he had a couple. Like, and so did I. Like, you give me the left shoulder and let me get a baby hook off. 
man, I'm shooting 70% from that. Like that's, that's a lot of my non-assisted baskets in high school were over my left shoulder, little baby hooks, but that's kind of all I had. I wasn't going to do like any drop steps. I didn't have like fadeaway jumpers. I wasn't going to bully ball. Yeah. I couldn't go over my right shoulder to my left hand. Really. It's kind of all I had, but he could play defense in the low post. Like he, he would, he could square up against the other team's big men, which like I mentioned, is something that I had to do. So, so I'm, I'm going Scott Pollard on that one. Now let's get scoring efficient or consistency. And I did something here similarly to what I did with the catch and shoot and Yusuf Nurkic. And I'm going Ryan Archie Diakono. Here's oh, why. Okay. 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 That man averaged about four and a half points last year. <laughs> and I bet you, if I really went and looked, that's probably a give or take, I'm going to say a point. Maybe it was closer to three and a half. Maybe it was closer to like five, five and a half. So I'm going to sit with four and a half. And that's about what he averaged. And the difference there between us is that he was, ex- he's expected to score more than I would have ever been expected to score. But we both shot, like, even though I wasn't expected to score, I still shot the ball. And that's kind of where he is like, that dude was still going to shoot the ball. He didn't <laughs> care. Regardless of the, the game was, of how the game was going on around him. If he had a shot that he liked, he was going to take it. And I was kind of the same way. And the problem there is you end up taking 10 shots and only scoring four points. Sure. Yeah. So that's where I get the RGD Akino comp. I like that. I like that. That's a good one. And we went sort of different routes on this because I think you picked a guy that puts up, like literally puts up consistent numbers. And I went the other way. I picked a guy who la- like his scoring consistency is like the worst. Like it- it's very inconsistent. Uh, so I went with Malik Monk. Malik Monk. Uh, could could go out and score 20 points one night, but then he might have two points the following night. Yep. That's a good one. Uh, I feel like I feel like there in my days of playing pickup, there are pickup games where I might score seven out of 11, eight out of 11, whatever. And there's pickup games where I don't score a basket the entire time. Yeah. That's yeah. That's I, I I like that we went different ways because yeah, for me in the Archie Diakono comp, it's like literally. I think there were like maybe three games in my senior year of high school that I didn't score, and more often than not, it was between like three and eight points that I would score with the occasional outlier. Like I had like a random eighteen point game, and it's like where the fuck did that come from? And then over the next five games, I maybe scored eighteen points overall. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So, okay, last right, last. Last category for the physical attributes is rebounding. I picked John Morant for myself. Uh, I looked up stats on this. John Morant, I think this past season, averaged three or four rebounds a game. So not known as a rebounding point guard necessarily, but is good enough, athletic enough to get a couple rebounds a game. Uh, so that, that's where I threw myself in. At, like, consider myself decently athletic. So I can I can grab a, a rebound or two here and there, but I'm not going to go down there and like box out with the intention of getting rebounds. I'll just try to anticipate and get there before everyone else does. And so that'll that'll get you a few rebounds a game. Hear me out. I went Chandler Parsons. Here, here here's the here's the problem with this one. I I don't know how to interact with this because Chandler Parsons hasn't played basketball in like seven years. So here's, let me explain to you why I say this. And then maybe you have some thoughts from there. I'm going Chandler Parsons. Cause this is a man who 
didn't get an insane amount of rebounds. Like he could rebound, mm-hmm. but usually what he was doing out there was making sure that his man didn't get the rebound. Okay. If the ball happened to come to him, then he, and he, he would collect it. If it, you know, maybe he would be the one diving on the, on the floor for it or whatever. And on the offensive end, he would fight to get the board, but it was all, even then it was like, I just don't want my guy to get it again. Kind of what my role was like, I'm just going to box out, especially because I usually had guys bigger than me. I was like, I'm just going to make sure that this behemoth behind me doesn't get the ball. And then one of the other guys can grab it and then we, we can you know, start the fast break. So I didn't get a lot of rebounds, you know, maybe, maybe two or three, kind of like you were just saying, but any rebound we got was hopefully because I was doing my job by keeping my man off the glass. Yeah, I like this. This, this, that makes a lot of sense. And you're, you're the, you're the box out the shooter guy at the free throw line. Like that's your, your role. Uh, I, I was, if I, if I was at the top of the free throw, yes, I was usually as the bigger man was on the bottom side of the free throws. And my role was to make sure my team knew that if he made the shot, I would take the ball out to start the fast break. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's it. There's their physical attributes. I've got a, I've got a big unathletic white dude and that's pretty accurate. You know, here, and now's a great time to tell you all, cause some people listening may not have realized I just named <laughs> what eight, nine white people. Here's why I did this. It's kind of a joke. That's because when you watch the NBA draft, anytime a white player is drafted, they will almost always be compared to another white NBA player. Like if a six foot eight guy gets drafted and he's white and he can shoot, he will automatically be compared to Mike Miller. And if he is six foot three and he can shoot, he's automatically JJ Redick or Kyle Korver. If he's got good vision, you know, he's, he's maybe Jason Williams. It's but without fail though, every white player is compared. It's like a rule. And I just think that's hilarious. So I did my best to mimic that here. Yeah. I love that. And I'm so glad you pointed that out because I didn't realize that that was actually a thing until you said it, but it, it's a thing like probably for, I was going to say for better or for worse, but it's probably for worse that it's a thing, but, but it is a thing nonetheless. And, and you said it before we started recording, but the, also the note about, I, I heard Steve Nash say a similar thing. Like whenever you refer to like a, a white NBA player, you don't ever call them athletic. You always call them crafty or, or something to that effect and you're you're either crafty or you're sneaky yeah yeah yeah. so yeah that's that's interesting too and all that means is that white people aren't supposed to be quick or athletic and the fact that you are you weren't expecting it and like that's kind of reverse racism is it i mean i don't know if that's the right word is it it. problematic probably are are we gonna figure it out right now no (laughs) no but let me clarify i said reverse racism i actually don't know if that's a term i wanted to use but now I don't know what term I do want to use. Welcome to Feel for the Game, the podcast where we discuss reverse <laughs> racism, whether or not it's actually a thing. I don't even, I literally right now can't figure out what reverse racism is and if it's something that exists or if it's something that white people say to say that people are being racist yeah, just, towards them. And just I to deflect. don't want it to be the latter. Yeah, it's complicated. Um, let's jump into the personality. Let's jump into the personality attributes. Yeah, let's do it. Let me lead off with this it's the titular one it's feel for the game what what how do we have like what is our feel for the game of basketball and surprise and it's another big white man from the university of kansas my boy cole aldrich here's what i mean by that 
that man didn't make a lot of mistakes whenever he would play. Like he did his job very well. And you could say he had a pretty good feel for the game, right? But at the same time, you wouldn't be surprised if like coming out of a timeout, he looked a little lost and accidentally set a screen at the wrong time or didn't cut to the point that the coach wanted him to. And you realize, oh, he doesn't know his position in this play. Like they've practiced this play 20 times. He's always been the five man mm. on the four and he's lost right now. That shit happened to me multiple times where we'd be in the huddle and coach would be like, hey, we're running Cougar. And I'd be like, well, Duncan's in the game. And I've only ever run this play from Duncan's part. I realize right now that I don't know how to run it from another position. So that's where I go Clark. Like overall, a pretty good feel for the game. But you also wouldn't be surprised if I looked lost for a little bit here and there. I like it. So far, I'm like, you, all of your unathletic, large, white players have made sense, even though I keep thinking that they won't. <laughs> but... So what does that say about me? That I'm an unathletic white basketball player? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So I went with Kobe White for a feel for the game. Uh, okay. It's kind of similar, I guess, to, to what you just said for Cole, Ar- Cole Aldridge. I feel like Kobe White naturally just has a, an instinct for specifically for scoring. I, I think that's the strongest part of his game. And he's just got a, a knack for it. Like you really can't teach good scoring like it just happens there's are there are just players who know how to score the basketball and i think he's one of them but the rest of his game is kind of up in the air as to whether or not he's gonna be able to have a long career in the league which i hope that he will because he's a chicago bull and i want him to be successful but i think the strength of of kobe white is his ability to to feel to feel out scoring the basketball like he's just he's got that in him he knows how to score the basketball it hasn't it's not something that feels learned it feels just like an, a natural instinct for him um but yeah the less the rest of his game is is yeah like Cole Arridge like he needs to he needs to figure out how to think and and, and play the rest of the game how to get his teammates involved how to be effective on on the defensive side of the ball. So there's stuff to there's areas for him to grow, but in terms of uh, what I'm getting at, it's just specifically that that natural scoring instinct that I think he has. Okay, I think you're gonna like my next one. It's so this one is flair. Um, I went with Devonte Graham for flair. Oh, hell yes. You, you went Kansas. <laughs> I went Devontae Graham. So Devontae Graham is largely just kind of about his business. Like he's not super flashy. He's not uh, super vocal, but he's, he's, he'll like, he's got a couple moves up his sleeve. Like he's got a couple crossover dribbles that'll, that'll get you. He's got a couple uh, step, step backs and, and two step gathers that, are effective and got a little flash to him, but he's not going to rub it in your face. He's not going to bark at you. He's just going to make his moves, shoot the ball and get it done. And I think it's subtle. He's, he's got flair, but it's subtle. It's not in your face. Here, here, Can I, as someone who watched him for four years at Kansas, give you, it's like a short summation of what you just said, like from from my perspective, is that, when he plays, he ha- you can tell that he's having fun. Mm. Like he doesn't have to be in your face about it, but he just exuberate, like exuberates. That's not the word I want. He exudes 
joy and, and just fun. Like you can tell that he enjoys being out there. Yeah. And I think that makes sense for you. Like you just love being on the basketball court. You love having the ball in your hand. Yeah. I've been a real, um, real sad boy ever since COVID. Yes. I, I, we can both relate to that one. Here you go. Ready for this for my flair? Oh, you're not, you're not ready, Nick. Oh my gosh. You're not ready. Here it is. Mike Dunleavy. <laughs> and here's why. That man was just business. Yeah. He like that never dude, showed any emotion. And that was Noah Kirby. I'm pretty sure Rajon Rondo like hip checked him into the fourth row one time and he showed no emotion. Yes. That kind of stuff would happen to me. I would like get hit in the face with an elbow and just be like, all right, whatever. And then it'd be whatever. I just keep playing. Like I, I was there to play basketball. That was my business. Like there were a, cu- a couple of times where like, maybe I would do something on behalf of a teammate, but it, you could do whatever to me. And I would apologize probably like, and he was a cheerleader. Like whenever he was on the bench, he would cheer for his team. But when he was in the game, he was there to do his job. End of story. That was me. I have the flair of Mike Dunleavy. Nothing, nothing fancy about his game. Just very fundamental. Uh, An old man game. Yeah, he had yeah. old man game. That's what we call that. Uh, let's go to trash talking ability. We're both kind of nice guys, right? I think so. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm going Brian Scalabrini here. When I played in high school, I never talked. So other kids on the team, on our team, you know, maybe here and there would, would chirp. I don't know if I said a single word. At least I, like, that would be considered trash talking. Didn't say a single word. Really my entire career. I might talk to a player here and there, but I would never consider it trash talking. But I think that I have the ability to be a very good trash talker. I'm very, I, I am pretty quick on my feet. I can see that like witty. Like I think I could be a really good trash talker and Brian Scalabrini, I think proved that he is a good trash talker post career. Cause now people troll him on Twitter mm-hmm. and he like, there are videos of him like taking on people from Twitter saying that he wasn't actually good and just demolishing them. I couldn't do that obviously, but it shows that he has that mentality of like, like, okay, it's you want to talk shit, like I'll talk shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, like he had the ability to do it. He just never did it. And I think that's kind of where I'm at. I like that. Good explanation. I went with uh, I went with Devin Booker. You can you can let me know if I'm wrong, but to me, not a trash talker. He just goes out. He plays hard. He competes. There there have been a few times where he's gotten into it with certain players, and uh-huh. I think that's where the sort of comparison comes in. Like for the most part, when I go play basketball, I don't get into lots of confrontation with people. I just try to play and have a good time and compete. Mm-hmm. But there are times when like the game is really tense or maybe you just don't really like a guy and it just kind of boils over and, and it I comes out. Even, yeah. Yeah. It just, and it just kind of comes out. And I don't, I don't know if I don't, unlike what you're saying, I actually don't think I'm a good trash talker. I think I just, there's been times where I, I just get sort of frustrated and, and, and angry and just become mm-hmm. mean. So if that counts as trash okay. talking, I think I'm good I with think it. it does. But because, yeah. like to me, trash talking is an art, right? Like it's like there's a level mm-hmm. of comedy in there. There's a level of wit, and I don't know if I have that. But if it's like argument over the game or over something happening in the game, that I could that happens every now and then. I think it, you got that. If it gets, sure, sure. If it gets tense enough, so 
Okay, toughness. I went with uh, Eric Gordon out of the University of Indiana. Currently a... Is he still a Houston Rocket? Yes. That sounds right. Not even sure. I went with Eric Gordon. Uh, this is a guy who has had a lot of sort of knick-knacky injuries throughout his career. He falls a lot going to the basket, um, but he always kind of bounces back and keeps playing. Doesn't complain a whole lot. Um, just just kind of deals with whatever gets thrown at him and tries to push through it and get up and keep going. And I, I try to be like that when I play basketball. I try not to complain about fouls. I do fall down a lot or get knocked down a lot because I'm usually a smaller guy on the court. And so specifically things like driving to the basket or playing defense are hard because other people are just bigger and stronger, but I try to try to stay in there. Does that make sense? How do you feel about that one? I, I, I'm okay. tracking with what you're saying. I, for me, I struggled with this one a little bit. And so I just defaulted to a big white dude from Kansas named Rafe LaFrance. Um, but here's why. Here's why I'm going to make it make sense. I never really did get injured. Like my freshman year of high school, I fractured my elbow, but we're not going to really, that doesn't really matter. And outside of that, like there might, I might like take a charge and maybe I hit the ground kind of hard. And maybe we had like my coach would come out to check on me or something. Cause I, you know, just, I had trouble getting up rolled my like both of my ankles were just shot like i rolled i had to wear big ankle braces my entire career because of how bad they were but i still always play like i outside of my freshman year where i had the fractured elbow never missed a game and that's kind of how i remember race with friends like that dude he might get bruised being a big man in the nba but he played like you weren't really gonna watch him leave the game so that's that's where i'm going with that uh i know it's my turn to we're doing pettiness and it's technically my turn, but I, I want to go second here. Cause I've got a, I've got a curveball to throw. So I want to, I want to okay, hear okay. what you say about pettiness. Well, this was one of the ones that I was more excited about. I went with Kevin Durant for pettiness for myself. And, uh, I think like Kevin Durant is petty off the court. He's not necessarily the most petty, like on the court basketball player. But I think I think that's where I see a lot of myself. Like, I would not be the type of person to be like petty to somebody's face. Mm-hmm. It's probably not a great thing about my personality, but I am much more likely to be the person that's petty on Twitter or Instagram. I would be the person that is subtweeting or unfollowing my teammates or. Uh, or talking shit to to fans who don't think I'm as good as whoever else. Like I I would be more prone to to that kind of pettiness, and I think that that's that's Kevin Durant's lane. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna say. I mean, if I was a NBA basketball player, I might have a few burner accounts out there. I think I can be petty in that way as well. Kind of like maybe not to their face, but I'll get in the car and drive home with you, or you know, whoever maybe gave me a ride to the gym. And just immediately start complaining about one of the dudes on my team or a dude who was on another team that I was upset at or whatever. So I feel that. Here's my pettiness, and here's where the curveball comes in. I'm going to go outside of basketball. Oh, okay. And I'm going Andrew Luck. <laughs> I'm going Andrew Luck. This is amazing. And here is why. 
for those who don't know, Andrew, Andrew Luck was the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts for a number of years and was very famous for being very polite on the field. Like you can watch videos of him mic'd up during games and he gets sacked or knocked down and immediately he's just like, Oh, good hit, big man. Like that was a hell of a hit. Yeah. Like gets helped up or he'll turn around and help up the defender that just knocked him down or something. That was me. Like I would block someone and they would fall down and then I would help them up or we'd both dive on the ground for the ball and it'd go out of bounds and I'd make sure I help them up or they would score on me and I might foul them and I'd be like, damn, that's a good, that's a strong finish. Mm-hmm. I still do that in like pickup games where I try to like be more friendly while I play. So my level of pettiness is so low that I had to go outside of the NBA to Andrew Luck. That's amazing. I, you are a hundred percent Andrew Luck on the basketball court. <laughs> You're way too friendly. Sometimes it doesn't make sense because it just, it doesn't see you've noticed it where I like the other team will score and I'll be like, Hey, good shot. And it's just like, he just, we're losing by eight now. Cause he just made that shot. And like, yeah, but it was yeah, good. For sure. I thought, I thought when you said um, Andrew luck, I thought you were going to say something about how he just decided to quit right before the season start. <laughs> just quit. I don't know. <laughs> so I thought that's what you meant by petty. Uh, but. No, 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 no. I went that he was just so not petty. Um, let's go to the next one. Let's just go accessories. Cause here's the thing. A lot of these things, people might be like, this isn't personality. I think it is like accessories are a part of your personality. People that in the NBA that tend to wear more accessories are probably going to be a little more showy, a little bit more maybe, uh, in your face about things. And at least that's my opinion on it. And really for everything that we've talked about, the feel for the game, well, may not feel for the game, but flair, trash talking, toughness, pettiness, like a lot of that comes from me playing at the high school. I played with, uh, the coach that I played for because he was a very old fashioned coach. Um, you know, just the type, like a Hoosiers type coach. Like he expected your hair to be above your ear. He did not want you wearing, like the only way you're wearing an accessory is if you needed it because it was like protecting you from a previous injury or something. Uh, just very old fashioned, expected a lot out of us. Didn't want us to be flashy. Didn't want us to be petty. Like want us to be tough, obviously, but he, he wouldn't want us like talking shit to other players and all that stuff. He just wanted us to go out and play the game. And I, a lot of that rubbed off on me. And I, I think that's why I play the way that I play. So for accessories, all I did in high school were ankle braces and my big old fucking, what my brother, whenever he was in the military called BCGs, AKA birth control glasses. Cause I wouldn't get laid <laughs> if I was wearing them. My big old black rimmed horn glasses. But most importantly, what I wore was a t-shirt under the Jersey. Nice. That's really, if you, let's consider that an accessory. Yeah. And by doing so, I'm going to say that my professional comparison, and this is outside of John Stockton, perhaps the best player I've named so far, Kristaps Porzingis. Okay. Yeah. Here's why. He also really only wears an undershirt. Mm-hmm. And I think we both wore them for the same reason. And that reason yeah. is us wearing a t-shirt hid the fact that we are lanky noodle armed nerds. Yes. It made us look normal out there. So like, cause if I didn't have the sleeves and you just saw my entire arm, you'd be like, I could breathe on this dude and his arm would break. Yeah. Wear the t-shirt. You just see elbow down and eh, whatever. He's just another dude. I had to do it. And I already had the glasses. So I was already getting called goggles and poindexter and all that shit. When I was on the court, <laughs> I had to do the t-shirt. So they had one less piece of, an- or one fewer piece of ammunition against me. This is, this is so good because to your point about accessories being a part of, 
who you are as a person. I think that's so true because to like, you're right. Like some guys use a lot of accessories because it, it makes them feel flashier, cooler, all of that. There's some guys who wear specifically for injury purposes. And that's, there's a, that's a very Mm -hmm. intentional use of accessories. But then there's guys like me and you who use them because we're insecure about our skinny uh, frames. And the person that I picked is Landry Shaman because he also wears mm. a T-shirt under his jersey. And I, I did the same quite a bit because, yeah, like I don't want to like have just a jersey on so you can see how tiny and frail my arms are. That, yeah. that just... I didn't want that. I didn't want that for myself. And Nick, let's talk about this. The time at which we were playing high school basketball was the... It was peak accessory. It'll be gotten time. It was peak accessory, but also it was the worst time for people like us who are just lanky and tiny because baggy clothes were in. Oh, sure. Yeah, that too. I, I, I had shorts that went like past my like mid calf almost like i felt like i was you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah just yeah. went crazy low even though i had them on my waist and like rolled up a couple times yeah and the jerseys were also kind of baggy so like it just looked like i was wearing my dad's clothes and didn't fit into them For sure you look like, like it was I like the characters in space show, right like that scene in space yeah movie. exactly like i i would love to be playing today where they've gone back to like kind of shorter shorts like they're above the knee that's where i'm comfortable the jerseys fit a little bit tighter that's where i'm comfortable that's what i want yeah. So not only were we already skinny, but the jerseys and the shorts that we had to play or wear in the game only added to that. So we had to wear t-shirts. For sure. Man, people don't understand the insecurities of being a tall, lanky boy. Yeah. We probably shouldn't complain too much, though, about being tall, lanky people. Yeah, I agree. People. I agree. <laughs> uh, let's talk inner anger. This, let's, let's talk inner anger. Where, where are you at on this Inner line? anger, I went with Damian Lillard. For all intents and purposes... Mm. On the outside, Damian Lillard looks cool and calm most of the time. Like, he is just out there, doesn't seem like you can knock him off balance. Like, he always seems to be kind of playing at his own pace, calm on the outside. But I think what we have seen of Damian Lillard's game over the last couple of seasons has proven that there's an inner fire that is always burning. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that you can't see and you may not necessarily know is there if you just just watched a couple possessions. But there there's an inner fire that he carries that I think drives him forward. And so when I play basketball, I am mostly cool and calm. I'm not very talkative. I am not very like boisterous. But like I want to compete, you know, and I'm not as good as Dame Lillard, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I'm not burning with the same internal fire that he probably is but like i want to compete like i want to play hard i want to win there's an inner sort of like angst and desire to compete uh but on the outside you probably would be like oh nick seems unfazed right now as to whether Mm -hmm. or not his team will win yeah i think that's a that's a good comp for you i think um I'm going to go for inner anger, Steve Nash, mm. a man who I don't really think had a lot of inner anger. Like, I think he was mainly just about his business at all times, but I do think there was some anger. Sure. Especially when Kobe but dunked I, on him I, that one I time. Think he was, 
I say, I think he was just channeling things that went on either a like maybe it was like in the game that he like I'm, I've had that where something happened and I get pissed off because it's a bad call and inwardly I am angry at what just happened yeah so I want to perform better I also get the feeling from Steve Nash that he was just angry at like not even angry like annoyed at shit that was happening around him and he used basketball as his way to like get away from it and like get over it mm-hmm. for lack of a better word and I think that's how I was like I wasn't like necessarily crazy angry or anything. Was I anxious? Yes. Was I depressed? Absolutely. Was I angry? Probably not. But basketball was my way to get away from all of that. So that's where I'm going Steve Nash. I like that. But what did that look like on the outside for outer anger? Well, let me give you my final big white dude from the University of Kansas. <laughs> and we're going to go all the way back to the 1950s for a man by the name of Clyde Lavellet led Kansas to the 1952 national championship game. Here's why I say that there was no outer anger. (laughs) Just like I've been talking about this entire episode, that dude just played the damn game, got his rebounds, got his buckets, played defense, and you could punch him in the face. And he would look at the ref as he got teed up, shoot the free throws and then keep playing. End of story. So that's where my outer anger is. I I, I didn't show it. And we'll talk about it in the next uh, part as well. But, yeah, yeah, I didn't have any outward emotion like we've talked about a little bit already and we'll talk about in a second as well. Nice. I like that. Uh, I went with Bradley Bill. He um, is, mm. yeah, like outwardly not very aggressive, not very angry either. He probably is similar to Devontae Graham in the sense like you can just tell he's having fun out there. He's just playing basketball. It it feels, yeah, it just feels like he's, he's having a good time. And I think... That's that's where I land in that space of just like enjoying the game yeah. and just just having fun while while I'm out there. And I, I think he's really like soaking in every moment that he's on the basketball court when he plays. So I went with Bradley Bill. Not not angry, just just a, a happy basketball player. Um in game demeanor though. So so now we're, and how are these different? Do you wanna do you wanna talk about how these are different? Because these could be misconstrued as similar or the same. Do you want to talk about that? You can play angry, but your demeanor doesn't necessarily show it. Like think about it. I think I've used this actually on this podcast before. Like you can have a parent be very angry and upset at you, but they're not screaming and yelling, but you can tell that they're angry. Maybe they just say they're disappointed and they leave, or maybe, you know, they're just clenching their jaw, but that's the end of it. Or they might come into your room yelling and screaming. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's that difference. Like, there are people who are really angry and play the game of basketball, and you wouldn't, like, you wouldn't fuck with them, but they're not, like, out there getting teed up every game and all that stuff, sure. a la, you know, DeMarcus Cousins. Like, that dude is angry, and his in-game demeanor shows it. Yeah, okay. Then you've got guys like maybe a... um, Like a Damian Lillard. Like, that dude's angry, but his in-game demeanor... You don't necessarily see that. Like he's not yelling at the refs every second. Yeah, he's sure. not getting teed up to where you're worried that he's gonna, you know, get suspended or anything. So that's where I would say there's a bit of a difference. Okay, I like that ex- explanation. So I'm gonna do these next two in a package deal because we have in-game demeanor and we have post-game demeanor. So I'll do mine back to back, and then you can do yours. In-game demeanor, I went. With, <laughs> I went with Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram does okay. not look like. He just looks unfazed by anyone and anything. Uh, he's just like mm-hmm. playing basketball. Like that's it. He doesn't show a lot of yeah. 
doesn't show a lot of like crazy swings of emotion. Like he's just like, I think he's, he's also one of like 10 players in the NBA right now that if you told me, Hey, they got busted playing basketball while high. I'd be like, well, <laughs> yeah, of course. That's so that fair. makes sense that his in-game demeanor is like That's that. Fair. Okay. And then I, I went post-game demeanor. I went with Jimmy Butler. So Jimmy Butler, at mm. least in recent years, in in the post games have has become a a little bit of a more lively interview. Like he's, uh, yeah, he's just like a good interview. Like he's he's positive most of the time. He says what he feels. I think there's a lot of guys in the league that kind of give the PC answer, and I think Jimmy Butler more recently uh, has started to just kind of say whatever he wants in post game interviews and just kind of like really, really be himself. And I think like, yeah, after, after a game's over, that's how I like to be. I like to just kind of be myself again, check back into Mm -hmm. who I am as a human and not like, I don't know, like not be fake, you know, like not, not just say the right things because like it, like if, if I, if we play a tense game of pickup and I don't want to say good game, I, I just won't. You know, like, I yeah. don't want to have to be like, oh, yeah, that was a good game, even though I am completely upset about something and hate everybody that was on my team. Sure. Or something, you know. So, yeah, that makes Jimmy sense. Bowler, uh, I think that makes sense. Yeah. All right. All right here we go for me. And we how many? What are we? 15 and 20 and I don't know. I'm not keeping track, but I have my first non-white player there we go for in-game demeanor and it is maybe my favorite player of all time i actually don't know the answer to that question either but my in-game demeanor was tim duncan <laughs> yeah because that dude just played i i know I've, i i'm like a broken record i keep saying that phrase but like one of the best players of all time and you wouldn't know mm-hmm. it he didn't wear the nicest flashy clothes i know that's not that's more pre-game demeanor i guess but that dude just showed up did his work won the game and then went home who apparently and that's how he was I was also like, like low-key a really good trash soccer apparently i've heard that recently yeah uh but yeah so when if you go watch any spurs game you would look at tim duncan and be like that dude doesn't have a heart he's a robot that's kind of how i was yeah. with the exception of like certain moments but that's also similar to tim duncan if there's a game-winning shot that you know, he had or one of his teammates had, he would celebrate uh, appropriately. <laughs> um, if there was a really egregious call, he might react to the rest and be like, what the hell? I didn't foul him. So would I. So there's that. For post-game demeanor, I'm going to go to his teammate. We're back to white people. Well, I don't know if he's white, actually. Manu Ginobili. I said white, but maybe... I guess he's from Argentina, so he's probably... Anyway, post-game demeanor, I'm going to Manu Ginobili. And again, here's why was just about his business and you'd watch him win a game. And if it were just a normal, regular game, he'd go to the handshake line. Hey, good game, good game, good game. But when they win championships, which he did a lot of, Mm -hmm. he would be jumping into Tim Duncan's arms. He'd be celebrating. He'd be yelling, you know, have it, you know, celebrating appropriately for what they had just done. And that's why like we won the state championship and I immediately turn and start like yelling and screaming, raising my arms, uh, kind of like, embarrassingly so like there's a video of like that was on the news of me like screaming into a camera and then jumping on top of a dog pile <laughs> mind you nobody kind of was that way whenever they won their big games 
but also he was the guy that like if there was a bucket with 0.8 seconds left and the team started like rushing the court he would be the one that like hey game's not over yet get back over yeah. here like i remember we were playing our main rivals who were undefeated and ranked number two in the division above us pack gym i'm on the bench as our point guard makes a game winning bucket and there's still like 0.3 seconds on the clock technically like the clock should have stopped there and my team like my teammates start getting out in the court and i like throw my arms out and i've got like two or three of them and i'm just like pushing them back i'm like oh we're gonna get teed up if you guys get out there yeah. like, we can be happy and not fucking lose the game so that's where we're going Manu ginobili i like it spurs spurs teammates now we're gonna go uh yeah i i went ahead and went the spurs route there next we're gonna do willingness to step in front of a train what that means to me is, are you willing to put your body on the line for your team? And the best example of that typically is taking charges. Are you willing to get in front of a player who's coming at you full speed? And are you willing to just stand there and get hit so that your team gets the ball? My answer is absolutely yes. And I don't like I took this a shit ton you. of charges. Like there are multiple games I, i've never done it in pickup unless i'm doing it like as a joke yeah yeah but in high school i probably averaged average two charges a game i can think of games where i took like over four charges in a game i was really good at finding my position getting my feet set and not flinching and just taking that shoulder right into the fucking chest and then my team has the ball you know who else does that Kyle Lowry. I knew you were going Kyle Lowry here. He does it very well. That dude takes charges like it's nobody's business. Yeah, so because it cop. is no so one's I, business. Stop taking charges. Stop taking charges. <laughs> if you play it, like, basketball, it, just give up on the charges. Leagues. No. Nope. I don't disagree that the idea of just standing there, holding your nuts and getting hit, that isn't a good defensive play. Your teammate got beat and you're just covering for them by standing still and covering your nuts up. I think that needs to be addressed, but as long as it is part of the sure. game, absolutely take charges because you're helping your team. And that's what I did. And like, we'd be in the summer league. I'd be going up against like future D one athletes, like Ethan Happ. He was like eight inches taller than me. He ends up going to be an all American in Wisconsin. We had no business playing this team. Actually, no, I take it back. We beat that team. But anyway, like I took two charges on that dude hurt like a motherfucker. Yeah. But I was willing to do it. Cause it helped my team out. Yeah. Those are the worst type of, Basketball what players. What, what, what's your what's your willingness to step in front of a train? Who's your I cop? went with Paul Pierce because if you know anything, Ooh, Kansas. Yeah, Kansas guy. Uh, but I went with like late career Paul Pierce. Not that like early career Paul Pierce yeah, would sure. have taken a charge either because he definitely. You're talking like Washington Wizards, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets, Nets Paul, Pierce. Paul Pierce. Like this dude, L.A. Clippers, Paul Pierce. Like he did not want any part of getting in the way of anybody. Uh, and he wanted to jog up and down the court and shoot threes. Yep, exactly. Uh, so that is my willingness to step in front of a basketball player who is running full speed. Not at a me. team player. I do not want to do that. I will foul them. I will swipe at the ball. Might even jump and try to block the shot, but I, I'm not going to take a charge. No, no, no chance. If I take a charge, it will 100 yeah. percent be an accident. <laughs> All right, last last two. We, we got two more, right. and then we we'll get out of here. So uh, this yeah. next one is recognition of what needs to be done and the ability to do it. I went with Carmelo Anthony for this. Here's why. Uh, my arch nemesis. <laughs> Here's why Carmelo Anthony knows the game really well, and 
can be a really dynamic player. A lot of NBA fans, basketball fans know of Carmelo Anthony primarily as a scorer, but there's a version of Carmelo Anthony that is more than that. And that is the United States USA basketball team, mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony, and the the one good season that he had in Oklahoma City. The 2000... Oh, you're right. Okay, see, I was going to say college Carmelo Anthony. Well, yeah, that, there's that version too. But yeah, for the NBA, there was the mm-hmm. USA basketball version and Oklahoma City version, the, the one good year he had there. Um, he, in those two instances, showed that he understands every element of the game and almost every position of the game and how to be effective in multiple ways, defensively, rebounding, scoring the ball, passing the ball. Um, like he, he proved that he has the ability to, to be that on the USA team and in OKC. But what do we know about Carmelo Anthony for the majority of his career is that it's just that he's a scorer that he doesn't want to play defense. He doesn't want to do anything else. He just wants the ball on the left wing so he can isolate for 15 seconds and shoot the ball. That's what we know about his career. He's really good at that. Um, but the reason I picked him for this is because I, I think Carmelo, when he, when he wants to be a great player and be good at all those other things, he can, but he doesn't always want to be that. Most of the time, he just wants to be a scorer mm-hmm. and be one-dimensional. Um, but when he when he's willing to tap into what he knows needs to be done, he he can, and he's doing that even now, late in sure. his career with Portland. Like he 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 knows that but he's Portland, not sure. he's not a, a dynamic scorer anymore. So he's playing a role, and he's playing his role well. So he, I think he has a, a recognition of what needs to be done. It's just kind of up to him if he wants to do it or not. So that, that's where I'm at. That was a long explanation. I feel very similar though. There's times oh, when I play. Ba- there's times where I play basketball where I'm, I like, I know what I should be doing, and I'll try to do my best to do it. And there's other times where I, I know I should be in a different position, but I am too lazy to go do that. Uh, for mine, I'm going Stephen Adams. Mm. It kind of similar to my vision with John Stockton, but four seconds later. I think I have really good recognition of what needs to be in, be done at any given moment. I don't think I have the ability to do any of it really ever. And I think that's kind of how Steven Adams is. But whenever he knows he needs to do something and only he can do it, he goes out and executes. So like there are types, like there are moments in games where I recognize that we a big three would help. I also know that I don't have the ability to hit that big three, but one of my teammates does. So I will be the one to go and set the screen for that teammate to get him mm-hmm. open. Mm-hmm. But I think of the play that he had for Oklahoma City where they were down three and he was shooting a free throw and there's like two seconds left or whatever. And he realized the only thing that we can do here is I have to intentionally miss this free throw and tap it back to Russell Westbrook so that he can get a three at the buzzer for a chance to tie it or else we are for sure losing. And he went and he executed it perfectly. And I like to think that that's the kind of stuff that I can do. Like like I could just in my head or maybe a teammate would come up to me and be like, hey, what do we, let's try doing this or whatever. And I could... Like, because it's something that only I could do in that moment, I could rise to the occasion. But if it was a general, like I said, like, we need this three right here, or, you know, uh, we need someone to stop this six foot nine dude. Like, that's probably not going to be my job. Like, I recognize it needs to be done, but <laughs> I don't have the ability to go out and do that. Yeah. And I think that's where Steven Adams is. Like, his, his uh, position and, you know, he's not the most athletic, but 
he knows the game well enough to know what needs to be done. And he's going to try to do it. Like I would try to do those things or at least do what he needed to do to help the people who did have the ability. He would help them do it. I like that one a lot. Lastly, we have Instagram presence. I'm just going to go short and sweet here. I'm Gordon Hayward. And by that, I mean, I'm fucking boring. (laughs) I don't have a good Instagram presence. I put on my stories, what music I'm listening to. And it's usually like weird, like punk music or hardcore music or the mountain goats or weird owl. It's really one of those four typically. Yeah. And that's kind of all I do. I don't really post a lot on the main feed. I'm boring. I wish I could be Kansas guy, Joel, and <laughs> but I'm not him. Gordon Hayward's perfect for you though. Cause he's also, he's also a gamer. So there's a lot of like stuff about sure. him playing video games on his, on his Instagram and, and all that. So if you had kids, I'm sure yeah. you would maybe post an occasional family photo. I like that. I do post, I post my cat, and my dog occasionally. So yeah, you're, yeah. yeah, you're Gordon Hayward. That's who I, that's who I am on Instagram. Boring as hell. Nice. Okay. I went with, uh, but you're the king. Well, well, I went with CJ McCollum. I, I, uh, CJ McCollum's, uh, at least his Instagram feed. I'm not, I'm not as, I don't do, do the whole Twitter thing as much, but, uh, CJ McCollum's Instagram feed is mostly his now wife. I think they're married, but maybe his girlfriend. I, I don't know. Mostly photos of his girlfriend slash wife. And then like, social justice stuff and like basketball stuff. So it's basically the things he's like his life's work, which is his job, basketball, and then like his family and the things that he cares about outside of basketball, which is all, all he also posts a lot about wine, which I post a lot about coffee. I'll say, so that makes sense. He posts wine. You do coffee. You both post, post about your family. You both post about social justice issues. And yeah, that's a good cop. I don't follow him. So, I, I needed you to explain it and then you explained it and it's like, yeah, of course that's who he is. Yeah. I'm going to go CJ McCollum and that that's it. So we, we probably had too many categories uh, cause there's a lot to remember, but I'm like pretty impressed with each list. Like I think they're pretty accurate comparisons. Yeah. Here's what, here's what I want to ask you, Nick. Look at all who the, the the player that you have created do you think it matches up to one basketball player like do you think the player that we just created to be us do you think that there is a uh, hmm. player out there that fits what you just described it's so hard because my player so here's a, let me give you my answer yeah yeah i think i i want to stick with the white aspect because i think it's funny my my first thing here was boris Diaw, because he's like the ultimate role player and he's got his championship rings and like i've got my state championship i, I won a useless one when i was in middle school my junior year we got third place and, we, and so he's been on like winning teams and also not on winning teams but to keep it with white dudes you ready for this answer you know who i've just created i think hito trickaloo <laughs> yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah Okay. Yeah. Who do you have? Who do you, who do you think you made? I've made two Turkaloo. Who do you think you made? I I don't know if I could figure it out on the spot. I didn't think about that ahead of time. Part of me, there's there's okay. there's a some strange reason that George Hill is coming to mind. Uh, mm. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I think George Hill might be a better defensive player than 
some of the things that I've given credence to on, on my list. Sure. But I mean, in terms of like offense, he's a guy that like isn't super consistent scoring. Like he might give you 20 for one game. He might give you like seven for the next three. Um, yeah, like can pass the ball, but not super special or anything like that. His demeanor is pretty chill and laid back which is similar to a lot of the things I talked about. So, so maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe that's the closest, closest comparison. If I'm, if I'm trying to, well, if that's the case, then you won the one-on-one because George Hill would 100% be Hito Turkoglu. Uh, I don't know, game. man. There's a big size difference there. He do, he do might get it based off of, uh, like height and weight alone, you know? Eh, mate. I mean, how tall yeah, I guess he he was what six eight, six nine, six ten. Yeah, you're probably you're right. There, that gives him some advantage. So, so I, that's good. Then I think, I think you are the better basketball player than me. But I think every time we've played, we usually match up pretty well. So I think if we if the players we've created are fairly even, I think you still have a slight edge. Then I think we did a good, honest job. Yeah. Because here's here's my summation of every time you and I have played pickup basketball together. Let's say we play ten games. The first five, I usually perform better. And then I am dead tired and can't keep up. And then the following five games, you just roast my ass. Yeah, it's the Raymond Felton uh, effect. I have to like play, play myself <laughs> into shape. I like, you, can, you, you have to like rev up and get there. You can serve your energy until everyone else is tired. And then you just look like a god for the last well, half of the game. It's not even Whereas that. I'm just like, all right, I'm ready to play. I'm going to go hard as hard as I can, like I did in high school. And then I realized I'm not as conditioned as I was in high school. I no longer am a cross-country runner and a track runner. And that lasts for five games, if that. And then I'm just like, oh, shit. Yeah, I think it's... I think <laughs> We're it's, done here, everybody. I think it's less that I'm waiting for everybody else to get tired and just the reality, like, I'm the guy that shows up to training camp that's just been eating fast food all summer and, like, didn't work out, just been playing video games. Like, just... I'm the guy that shows up to training camp out of shape completely. And I have to just mm-hmm. play myself back into shape. So that's... I think that's, that's the yeah. difference, but... That's good. I, I, I personally am going to give you the edge, George Hill over Hito Turkoglu. But if, if, you're, if you've listened to this, our longest episode to date. So if you stuck with us, thank you. But if you've listened to this and you know who George Hill and Hito Turkoglu are, let us know who, who actually wins. Yeah, who wins in a one, one-on-one? That's a good question. It's a hard question. <laughs> a very niche question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, those are two of the... They're very, like, from the bottom of a crate type of NBA players. Um, okay. So yeah, this has been a long episode. I enjoyed it though. I think I thought it was fun. I hope that it was enjoyable to listen to. I think we got just maybe one more episode to wrap up the season and we will. I think, I think we're going to do one more episode. Yeah. I think we'll, Noah, you'll pick the topic. I'll pick it. Oh shit. All right. We got to finish strong. Something I'll do it, I we got to get something that uh, we got to get political again yeah. on our, final episode we got to get back to what the people love me cussing and calling donald trump a dumbass yeah i mean hopefully we don't have to do that's that that's what much the longer. people want and then you saying and you saying no it's not a political show <laughs> that's what that's what brings people back right there yeah. all right so cool let's we'll, we'll figure that out until then we'll see all you lovely people soon we love you go watch some college basketball and get in your emotions peace out
Feel for the Game is an Area Code production. Produced and edited by Nick Thompson and Noah Kirby. Follow Feel for the Game on Instagram at feelforthegamepod. And to learn more about Feel for the Game and Area Code, visit areacodenetwork.com. This is an Area Code podcast.